Craft Beer Radio, episode 323, on March 7th, 2015. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where if you say our name three times, we'll show up with another show next week. So do it. CBR, CBR, CBR. And we have with us, well, I asked Jeff, let's do a rule number one show. Let's do a show that we think is going to be spectacular. So uh, we got some fun ones here today. Yeah. Uh, many that we have not had before. Now, the first one might not fall into the spectacular rule, but it's definitely one I want to try. And that is a hopped cider that we recently recently got from Angry Orchard. So this is from... This is Hopped Mad Ale from Angry Orchard. They submitted this to us. 5% alkali volume. They use Strissel Spalt hops. Strissel Spalt, which we actually have. They sent us a little container of the Strissel Spalt hops. They kind of smell almost a little bit like a little like paprika or something. It, it, there's an interesting quality in there that I wasn't expecting. They actually, they don't smell nearly as fresh as they did yeah. when they came like two weeks ago. Should have kept them in the fridge, but maybe we yeah, kind of crunch them up a little bit, make big hot mess. Yeah, they, they come back to life a little bit if you crush them in your hands. All right, so let me, let You're going to get sticky hop hands if you do that. That's but. okay. I can deal with it. Yeah, okay. That uh, Yeah, that smells much more hoppy. <laughs> So it's a hop cider. It's Hoppin' Mad Apple from Angry Orchard, which is a... It's a little uh, German, a little Zotzi. It's yeah. a division of Boston Beer Company. Pours a very, uh, <laughs> very... Am- it's, it's crystal clear. Yeah. It is a light straw. Kind of like a, you know, like a white wine. Mm-hmm. Smells very... Um, apple juicy on the nose really smells sweet. What you would expect. And appley. No, I was expecting something that smells a little bit hoppy, something that smells a lot drier. This is a very sweet smelling. It smells like apple juice or apple cider. Well, it feels like they, they'd have to put a lot of sweetness in there, right? If they're going to put hops Yeah, if you're going to balance bitterness, you might have to, yeah. Mm-hmm. The the hops are just a little bit balanced out, give it a little bit of bitterness in the end of the flavor. That's um, yeah, you're yeah. It, it it takes a little bit for the hoppiness to really come through, but it's definitely there. It's a very you know it's a very clean flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, the sweetness is balanced, so it, it doesn't feel overwhelmingly sweet. And yeah, there's, there's a there's a hint of hoppiness right there. So it's it's sort of like. I guess the concept is, hey, you can have the best, you know, a part of beer that you love without necessarily having to have the beer. It's gluten-free. It's got all that going for it. It doesn't taste as sweet as it smells. Mm-hmm. It's a semi-sweet cider. I was expecting something with more hop character to it. I think they didn't want. I mean, we, we've had a hop cider before, right? We had um, your neighbor's. Was, uh, wasn't that a hop cider? Rex. He might have made a hop cider. 
Yeah, I think he did. Mm-hmm. That was really hoppy. Yeah. This is not. But, I, you know, they are going for a more commercial market. They're not. Absolutely. Yeah. You, your cider drinkers aren't necessarily your IPA drinkers. Right. So you really don't want to go with a West Coast or American Craft IPA type hopping on it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I was expecting something a little more hoppy for, for a beer palate. But it's a good beer or a good cider. <laughs> it has, yeah, it's, it's nice and easily drinkable. There's a little bit of parishness, a little bit of, um, a little bit of, Granny Smith, right? A little bit of that uh, tang going on with it. Mm-hmm. And the hops are there, but I mean, yeah, this is not an aggressive American hop. It's a German, it's a German hop. It's you know, it's more zotz-like than anything else. I like this. So we have new cough buttons here, and I've been using it to hide my swallowing sounds as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I so typically. Swallow away from the mic, and I try to as well. Yeah. But hopefully, we'll keep but, but some Jeff, of the... If you were to see, and you might, if if you ever, if we ever broadcast this, Jeff has his microphone closer to him typically than I do. So, right, and that's just how you know how he likes it. And so sometimes some certain noises, we both make certain noises, but sometimes they go across on Jeff's <laughs> a little bit easier than mine, but not always. Yeah, so Groucho from the Beer Report gave me a, a bit of a jab on Twitter about getting a cough button. I guess he listened to last week's show, and it uh, must have been a little bit noisy. So we ordered some cough buttons. We have them now. Just that was like Greg that. hitting the cough button. Just yeah. like that. So if you're listening closely, you'll hear the like the furnace in the background mute in and out as <laughs> cough buttons are pressed, or might move from ear to ear. Right, that that's more likely because we're probably not going to both be off at the same time. So, what would you want to do next? I think it's time to move on to some real beer. Well, that's and all we have in front of us. <clears throat> probably want to save the two stouts for later in the show. Yes. You want to give this guy a try? Mm-hmm. All right. So, we were contacted by Mobcraft. They're a brewery Wisconsin. in Wisconsin. I can't remember if it was Wisconsin or Minnesota, but yeah, Wisconsin in Madison. And they're kind of a crowdsourced brewery where I'm not sure exactly how it works. Greg might have the information up, but they basically will take recipes from home brewers or collaborations and, and make different kinds of beer. And this one is called Don Dorio's Filthy Mustachio Dorian and Cashew Pilsner. The quote on their site is, A meandering river of pale pilsner malt supports the languid and pungent raft of durian fruit as it carries you along shores dotted with the cashew-strewn rubble that was your expectations' frail civilization. (laughs) Welcome to the new world of flavor that is Don Dorio's filthy mustachio. The special ingredients in the... Or they tell you how to brew this beer in a five-gallon batch. Uh... So in this, in, in, if you were making a five-gallon batch, this you would use four ounces of durian, which they say means you have to eat the other twelve ounces. <laughs> uh, eight ounces of cashews, and they use a Salflagger W thirty four seventy yeast, Pilsner malt and Karen Munich malt, uh, Chinook, Fuggles, Hillertau, hops five point one percent alcohol by volume, forty five IBUs. Well, so durian. Durian is a, I mean, we mentioned it before, it's a tropical fruit that 
is uh, very smelly. It it has a smell of sort of rotting fruit and uh, other mm-hmm. plant and, and uh, animal matter. It's also an interesting fruit if you have not seen one, yeah. about the size of a football, maybe more like a rugby ball, and covered in sharp spikes. Yes. And the inside of the fruit is a kind of custardy white substance that kind of tastes like a sweet onion. Yeah. And has a little bit, and depending on, some people are sensitive to this like I am, it has a little bit of that taste of that same sneakiness that goes through with it. Right. So it's a little bit like Dord on Overdrive. Yeah, when we Greg bought a Dorian at the Asian market a couple of years ago, brought it up, we did a show, it thawed in the sink, and after the show we went out in the garage, heard bad things about Dorian, so I didn't want to open it in the house. So I took a meat cleaver, took it out in the garage, and after I first hack into the Dorian, Greg could smell it, and he like took 10 steps backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like hit him like that. So this is a, it pours us a clear straw color it has what would smell to me like vague sulfury you know basic pilsner notes mm-hmm. on there i don't really detect anything yeah i'm not i mean if i wasn't really looking for a durian type smell i don't think i would have I, I definitely wouldn't have noticed it since i am looking for a durian type smell I'm getting something, and actually, it kind of now that it, that I know that there's cashews in here too, it kind of I'm getting that little nuttiness, a little. So part of the Dorian, if you like Dorian, you'll get some sweeter flavors to it, and it's kind of a mix between that custard with maybe just a touch of mango in there or something like that. I don't like my mango calls a lot, but I can't think of anything better. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a little bit of something that's like the sweet side of the durian. But if I wasn't, if I yeah, I if mean, I wasn't looking for it really hard, I would call it something else. I've smelled durian in other beers that didn't have durian, and this mm-hmm. doesn't smell like durian. I actually had you know what it has? It had, kind of has a nose of like a saltwater toffee, like. A, I don't, don't know what kind really, but it kind of just has that general smell of uh, saltwater toffee. Hmm. It, it's what's interesting about this is that it has a has a, a mouth feel more like a cream ale, um, but I guess a, a ta- the taste is is more simplified in pilsner. It, it, it tastes a little you know chalky and um, and crisp. But then yeah. there's this weird, like, sort of a creamy mouthfeel to it. It's has has a re, has a big residual sweetness for uh, what you'd expect in a pilsner. Uh, it has kind of a almost feels like if I was classifying it, I might call it a hellebach, or something like that. You know, it kind of has a bach type sweetness to it, mm-hmm. like a very light golden bach, something like that. Some of the there's some of there's some of yeah I guess there is some of that kind of durian flavor in there. I'm not getting any of the nastiness yet. Okay. It hasn't turned over. 
I guess there's a little bit of this. Uh, it is kind of. I, I guess think it, that might be what the brewer wanted, right? Yeah, to right. do a Dorian that's not nasty. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is kind of close to cashew, so so it's hard to pick those mm-hmm. apart. And I've only had Dorian that one time. And it was so dominated by the other thing that it was hard for me to pull right. the rest of the flavor from it. So it's hard for me to qualify this. But as somebody who gets turned away by the very thought of the smell of durian, I'm not being turned away by this beer. So that's something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting beer. It's a good drinker. It's not really overly complex, right? I mean, we're really trying to find mm-hmm. the two ingredients that, that we know they put in this beer. But if you were drinking it, not specifically looking for those, it comes across... Uh-oh, Greg's tasting something. It has an aftertaste and an after effect that it's starting to build. And it's a... Does it give you the durian burps? That's the question. Because like whenever you have a durian milkshake at a, like a Vietnamese place or a Thai place... Which, or if I, you which had, is zero. Or me. if you like have some durian candies. We have a guy at work who uh, goes back to China... And the last two times he's come back, he's brought back a bag of durian candies for me, for us. But mostly for me, because he knows I like them. There's a... and I, You know, I can't tell whether that's more the Chinook Hop doing that, or whether that's more the, the durian doing that. But there's something kind of wafting around on the back of my tongue that's... It's an iffy one that's hmm. hard for me to say this is super drinkable. I think the nuts are starting to build. I'm starting to get more of a cashew-type flavor. And like I was saying before, you know, it has a, I, I, would, I would kind of peg it in like a golden bock category more so than a pilsner category. But, uh, right. but other than that, I, I'm enjoying this. I was hoping for a stinkier beer, actually. <laughs> Something a little more advanced. So the setup so, so far is Jeff's been disappointed by both <laughs> because he's, he's been waiting. He wants more. He wants just more. <laughs> No, no, I'm not complaining. I just was hoping for something a little more advanced in the the Dorian meter. <laughs> but they're not making the beer for me, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you were making it, it'd just be just empty five Durians <laughs> and see what happens. Alrighty. Let's do this one from our, um, Almanac. Almanac said this to us? Yes. Yes. Um, this is the their Farmer's Reserve Blueberry. 7% alkaline volume. It's a January 2015 beer, so you might be able to still find it if you're, you know, around Northern California where they are. A golden ale fermented with their house sour culture, and, of course, they have blueberries in it. Hmm. Don't have much. Don't say much about the beer. Seven percent ABV here on the label. Um, Pair with funky cheeses, citrusy winter salads, and robust meat dishes like short ribs or venison. It kind of has a rubyish color. It's it's, it's closing in on ruby. It's you know, it's amber closing in on ruby. Yeah, I met the almanac guys the last time I was out in California just by accident. And uh, that's kind of how we got the contact to get these beers. 
the the nose it definitely has a, a, a funkiness to it yeah. you know there's a starts out like uh, smelling a little bit of flanders but then it gets a little more yogurty yeah in the aroma but and then you that fruitiness the the two things i think i'm smelling some blueberry but i'm definitely smelling um kind of the tannin wine barrel type aroma as well It does say it's racked in wine barrels and then many months of maturing. And uh, yeah. Don't, I think that yeah, Flanders is, is basically the key here. That's most of what you're going to be smelling. I, I, I Actually, I, it was my starting point, but I don't think it really hovers in that neighborhood for very long. You know, I'm getting... Getting more sweetness put on top of it now. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Nice, I used the cough button to burp. It's okay. Should have bought these ten years ago. <laughs> I want to smell a little bit more before I really dig into it, but... The yogurt kind of comes back. I think that... I'm trying to see... I want to, like, pull one more descriptor on it, but I'm having a hard time. Dragon fruit. Could be, you know, palate drifts because we just had a bunch of dragon fruit, but... Two weeks ago. Yeah, I think there's kind of a feel of dragon fruit in the nose. So not everybody's going to be familiar with dragon fruit anyway, so it's not exactly the most uh, <laughs> the most descriptive term we could use. Oh, wow. So the beer... Mm. Wow. That's very sour. Very, so, very saturated, rich fruit flavor. It's almost like a blueberry jam type feel on the blueberries. It's very saturated. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of intensified by the acidity. comes across like a fruit acidity as well. Nice and puckering. Mm. And I've only had one little sip and it's just kind of sloshing around back in my the back part of my mouth there. Still developing. Yeah, like Get a some big, sweet tarts now. Big combo of uh, yeah, sweet tarts. Go a big combo of sort of acetic and citric acids. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very puckery. Very strong on that on that sour and tart note. The flavor, like Jeff said, there's a rich a richness to the sweetness. So it's a, so it's a combined. It's it, it's almost as if it's a little. It, there's a little bit of extra sweetness. You know, sort of like a. Just slight molassesy thing, just barely. Yeah, I'm also getting. Oh, I hate to say this because the another beer we're gonna have tonight has gooseberries in it, mm. but I was getting a bit of gooseberry flavor as well. There's a little bit of grapefruit pith in there too, hmm. and just sour grapefruit. It's very, very sour, mm-hmm. very strong. Pretty dang good. It's it's a big sour yeah. beer. It, it definitely, you know, it's it's one to definitely slow down on. I'm taking teeny little sips. It is exploding in my mouth with flavor, mm-hmm. and it takes a long time. If you if you just let it sit, you swallow the beer. There's a still a progression happening in your mouth that you can just sit back and analyze. 
It's also making me salivate a lot. So while we're then taking care of this, maybe we should talk about some um, some news that's going on. Sure. The Brew vs. Beer Acts. These are two acts in Congress uh, that I'm not sure whether I like either of them. So, yeah, there's two acts in Congress. One for small brewers and one for all brewers. Yes. And the Brewers Association, one thing that they've always done, probably one of their main mandates as a traded organization is to lobby for a better business environment for small brewers, the, the, the cust- their customers, right? The yes. people that join their association. So they're always trying to get the small brewer tax credit increased, you know, to... We should uh, explain what the small brewer tax credit is. There's a excise tax uh, that was been around since Prohibition, right, on barrels of beer. And mm-hmm. it's a certain amount for, I think, 60,000 60, 60, barrels, and then it jumps up to... like It's like seven fifty for 60,000 barrels, and it jumps up to $18 for every barrel afterwards. And that's just a tax that brewers mm-hmm. have to pay. Right. And so this legislation is about changing that tax. Yeah, they're always trying to lower it. It's at seven bucks a barrel now or something like that. They're, I believe this act is trying to reduce that, right? It helps the smallest brewers the most, you know, ones to make less than $60,000. And then there's the, the Beer Act. That was the Brew Act, I believe. And the Beer Act is something that the big brewers want, and it helps all brewers. Right. The Brewer Association has information about how this is good for shipping jobs overseas and, and things like that, right? So it's not, from the information that I've seen, mostly from the Brewers Association, it's not as good for small companies, for local communities. You know, one of the arguments for these breweries, these small breweries, is a lot of the money stays in the community, things like that. And you do the Beer Act, and it... it doesn't yeah. promote job growth and things like that. Now the, the problem I have is that I don't see a need for it. I don't see a, a brewery, a, a, um, a brewer's organization. I don't see beer struggling at all with this tax. I see thousands of breweries opening. Uh, you know, there are now like 20 brewers in Pittsburgh. This is, it, it's unprecedented. It doesn't seem like there's really a need for this tax break. And the claim that it will all go back to consumers, I doubt strongly. I don't see how that would be the case. Why would the price of beer go down just because a small tax isn't levied? More, isn't much more. Doesn't it follow much more that the brewers would just likely pocket that? I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. You know, one of the arguments is they have pay less money in taxes, have more money to grow their business, to hire more people. You hear that? Well, argument. yeah, that's but an I mean, argument that that conservative use for tax breaks across yeah. the board. I, I don't know. Taxes go back into the community, also. Right. So I don't buy that as as a excuse. I'm not saying I am the end-all, be-all of, of understanding this issue and, and all the aspects of it. I just don't see it as being – I don't think this is a business that right now needs a stimulus package. 
I think it has it is plenty stimulated and is growing. Yeah, I I, I don't have any real arguments on it. I uh, when it first came out, I read some of the information on it and haven't paid much attention mm-hmm. since. So now that we've had some more time to digest this beer, to consider it. As always, yeah, sour beers like this, really strong ones, they smack you really hard at first. And so you have to sort of get past, get over the hump to start analyzing the other flavors that are inside of it. And yeah, I'm tasting a little bit of add, you know, stuff that, that are just close to blueberries, you know, strawberries and mm-hmm. uh, thing, things along along the sort of scale that the blueberry flavor shows up in. So it's, it's, it's a really nice, very strongly sour beer. If you want one of those, then this is a very good example. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was very tasty. And it just hangs around in your mouth and gives you a whole show of flavors. Hard to really narrate that show, but it was quite enjoyable. I liked it a lot. So, do we have the other sour next just to to stay on the train? Well, we have two more sours. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Then, yeah, let, let, let's keep the sours coming. All right, let's do the McKellar next. This is one you purchased a mm-hmm. while back. This one I purchased from the Vintage Estates. This is Spontan Gooseberry. Now, we've had Spontan Frambois before, right? Frambos. Yeah, Frambos, yeah. Which was amazing. It was one of our favorite beers uh, that we've ever had. Jeff keeps it up on his wall. That's that's how you know it's one of our favorite beers. Mm-hmm. I would just say that for later. You can always have it at the end of the night. Comes in a in a green Belgian ish bottle. Yeah. These bottles are Three seventy-five, three seventy-five milliliters, seven point seven percent alcohol by volume. Brewed at De Proof in Belgium. I'm sure I'm destroying that, <laughs> but actually, I saw a story where McKellar is getting their own brewery. I saw Gypsy that too. Brewer. Yeah, they've been Gypsy Brewers for the entire time that they've been around. And let's see here. I can click on the link. <laughs> yeah, all about beer ran the story a couple about a week ago, I think. Load faster. San Diego, they're moving into Alesmith's old plant because Alesmith moved to a bigger place. So, clearly, not enough growth in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> So these are sea gooseberries. So this one has much more of a lambic character than oh, yeah. the um, almanac did. And by lambic, when you smell it, you get much more minerally on the nose. It's kind of um, chalky, you know, chalky limey, limestone type smell on the nose. Then you're also getting a fair amount of tart funk almost a little bit cheese rindy but not a lot of acetic Mm -hmm. that's not coming through not those yogurt things that were also coming through too 
Yogurt is mostly, isn't it lactobacillus? Um, yeah, I think so. Mm. That is that's very different. Mm-hmm. Very well, very like hard left turn from what we were having before. A lot more kind of pithy and, and mm-hmm. directly tart as opposed to sour. It, it contains a yeah, like like Jeff said, kind of a rindy cheese component mm-hmm. to it. So there's a little bit of like Parmesan coming through, weirdly enough. The the flavor is reminding me more of uh watermelon rind than, than anything else. And something that is like more sour, more tart at the end. Uh Kind of grapefruit rind, but like, and you know, with grapefruit, but like extra sour, right? Like lemony sour to a <clears throat> grapefruit rind, right? Yeah, it's this is much. This is not a oh a super fruity beer. I don't think it was ever intended to be. Mm-hmm. It's. An exploratory beer. Let's explore this interesting flavor that's not necessarily lovely and and amazing, but it's very interesting, it's unique, and it's expressed very well. It's built very well. As I'm drinking more, some of that initial shock is wearing off, and I'm tasting something that reminds me of like a sour grape or something like that. That could be where the gooseberry is coming from. You know, in my yard growing up as a kid, we had some wild grapes growing in the lot next to ours, and it was, they're pretty sour grapes, Mm -hmm. and that kind of, this kind of takes me back to eating those grapes. What I really like about this, I, I, I really, really like this, because this is kind of what you wanted out of those first two beers. This is taking something that other people aren't necessarily going to enjoy and highlighting it and just and be very artfully expressing it. Making it advanced. Yeah. (laughs) And it really is like, okay, an exploration of this flavor, which is pretty unique and still made in a way that as long as you get past the initial... The, the initial period of trying to understand it, it really does have a lot going for it as a, as an ex, as an artistic expression, and that's that's something amazing. That that's something truly remarkable in a beer. Mm-hmm. All that being said, and I do appreciate the beer, and I like drinking it. It's I'm not finding it very drinkable, right? I don't, yeah, so absolutely. Compared to some of these other beers, they were much more drinkable than this one. I'm glad I'm having it. I'm enjoying it. Would I get a second glass of it? Probably not. Maybe we want something else. No, this is not 
I wouldn't get, yeah. I mean, if you see this on the shop, you buy a bottle. You don't buy a case. Yeah. But you definitely buy a bottle because this is, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful piece of art that you should enjoy, but Mm -hmm. not hang up, not necessarily hang up on your wall, right? This is not something you want (laughs) to, it's like, there, there are paintings that are beautiful and you want to see every day. This is not one of those. This is one that you want, you, you want to be exposed to. This is like a, a shocking war hall or something. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how how the ones, well the ones he peed on. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's it's a it's a wonderful expression. There's and, and and I don't mean shocking in terms of you know I don't mean to say that it's gross in any way because mm-hmm. it's not. But it's just it's not a super drinkable thing. But it is a very artfully done beer. Yeah, well, it was very cool. I enjoyed it. All right, one more sour. Then we get onto a couple stouts. This is one that I saw at Giant Eagle and picked up. This is the Free Will Brewing Company Blood and Guts Sour Ale. It has a chainsaw on the cover, <laughs> the I, label. I didn't see this on their site, so I'm just pulling the information from Beer Advocate. American Wild Ale at 6.1% alcohol by volume. Brewed once. And that's all I see about it. Pours a cola color, like a porter stout, a lot darker than I would have expected. Yeah, so it might be kind of an out brunish beer, but we'll see. Could be, could be. Uh, it has kind of a roasty, stouty type aroma on it, almost like a oh, dry yeah. stout. So. Probably sour stout, sour porter. I guess slightly woody, slightly woody. Hmm. I'm not getting anything no, woody yet. I guess not. You're a little charcoaly. It's it's a little chocolatey. Hmm. Doesn't smell too sour. At least you know what it's giving off in the nose doesn't come across as very sour. Maybe a little bit of like cherry, like cherry tart or something like that in the nose. That's different. So I just took a sip. Tomato. Tomato. I just took a sip, and the first thing you do taste is that kind of roasty mm-hmm. malt. And you're, I was about to say, it doesn't seem all that sour. And then when Greg interrupted me with tomato and I had a few more seconds to let it sit, it got a little sour towards the end. So it kind of takes a moment to develop the sourness. <clears throat> tomato just reminds me of my um, my five-year-old nephew wouldn't eat the yellow grape tomatoes even though they taste exactly the same uh-huh. he wouldn't eat them because they're yellow <laughs> five year old makes there. perfect sense yeah. to me I bet <clears throat> mm. mm-hmm. it's okay 
the it I've had sour stouts before. Mm-hmm. I'm not really digging this one. I'm getting a, a weird juxtaposition of the sort of chocolatey and the this this sourness that I'm not really feeling. Actually, the last sip I just had gave me uh, like a real chocolate flavor, almost to the point that you wonder if there's chocolate. Oh, it has cherries in it. More privilege with cherries added. Doesn't say anything about chocolate, though. Mm-hmm. Well, you were pointing out cherry before. We're all taking turns <laughs> degassing here with our new degassing buttons. We, um, especially on, you know, when you have these, a couple sour beers, they have a lot of different bacteria and live bacteria still going on there. And they're also highly carbonated. Yeah. I mean, that, that McKellar was super fizzy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This one is sort of like, it's not hitting me the right way. It's definitely the least sour of the three, right? So we might be missing some of the nuance in it. That's not what I care about. I care about... But what I'm saying is... Playing with each other. Sometimes I'm wondering how burned out. It's a lighter... Even though it's a dark beer, it's a lighter flavor profile than the last two beers. And I'm wondering if we're missing out on some of the the nuance that's in it. I mean, it, tastes, it still plays, tastes plenty sour to me. And I still... Um, I'm not against it. I mean, not like throwing it out, but it's mm-hmm. just it doesn't. It doesn't have the you know the, the puckeringness and the you know oh I have to really explore this part of the almanac. It doesn't have the the beautiful intricate quality of the McKiller. It it kind of feels more slapdash. Okay, yeah, this is free will. This is their blood and guts. Free will's in Pennsylvania on mm-hmm. the other side of the state. They're in. Percassie, Pennsylvania, somewhere near Philly. And they make a few sour beers. They're kind of, as far as I know, probably one of the more prolific sour beer makers in the state. So, All right, well, what we should do next is kind of do a little something that we like to call advertising. <laughs> is that what we call it? Yes. We call it advertising? No fancy euphemism like paying the bills no. or no, just call it advertising. Just have, we call it advertising. Let's, let's be direct. <laughs> we should just do this instead of the ad break. <laughs> this music, you know what this music means. This means that it's when you think of Amazon, you don't want to go to Amazon.com. You want to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And you'll be taken to Amazon. Be whisked promptly away to Amazon with our referral credit firmly in- attached. And anything you buy, we get credit for driving those sales. And Amazon cuts us a nice check. Cost you not a penny more. Your opportunity cost could not be less. And we get cool things like these. These cough buttons. Yeah, that really... I don't think that comes across like you think it does. Probably not. But <laughs> you're still hearing yourself <laughs> muted through the headphones. Well, well yeah, but I mean... The, the point being that it actually we, we 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 don't take the money for ourselves. We put it right back into the show, and we you know we're just trying to make the show better. And this is a great way you can help. 
And you're going to shop on Amazon anyway. Yeah. So craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. All right, that's the that ends the sour portion of the show. What, dear sir, do we have next? We're gonna move on to an imperial stout or two. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is Boulevard Brewing's Imperial Stout, twenty fourteen. Eleven percent alcohol by volume. Oh, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Malts, pale malt, amber 50, cara 120, cara 300, malted wheat, chocolate, roasted barley, chocolate rye, malted rye, golden naked oats, and flaked oats. Adjuncts, dark brown sugar, just in case that wasn't enough malt for you. Hops, magnum, citra, palisade, perlay, athenum. 63 IBUs. Yeah, they emptied the closet on this one, didn't they? <laughs> Jesus. That was a mouthful of malt. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> they must have literally been like, what do you got? Let's <laughs> throw it in there. Let's see. All right. Pours super black. I got a huge head somehow. You do have a huge head. Look at the size of his noggin. It's huge. Mine poured a thinner head. Very fine bubbles. So I married an axe murderer reference. Nice. So, um, Smokestack Series. This came in a 750 Cajun cork bottle. You probably heard me pop the cork on it. Um, thick glass. It this... may be bottle conditioned. So we have this very fine head on this, like very silky, fine looking head. This is provided by. Dave brought this. Dave brought this, okay. Sometimes we get beers from them, sometimes Dave's brings them. <laughs> Dave brought us that huge yeah. shipment at Christmas time. So the aroma on this thing, I can kind of smell all the CO2 that's in that high carbonation. That's one of the first things I smell. And then I smell like something that's kind of a little smoky. Okay, watch. A portion of this has been aged in whiskey barrels, so watch out for that. So there may be that whiskey note on there okay which i find can sometimes be mistaken for if you're not careful for a little bit of like a band-aid mm-hmm. right they say best buy october of 2016 on this one <laughs> okay so we got time yeah. so they give they give it two years right it's 2014 batch yeah Best for 2016, so they like to have these beers drank within two years. So I'm still smelling it. I'm getting like mostly like just that kind of. I want to describe that. It's a CO2 zing. Kind of chalky. It makes the beer smell a little bit minerally or something like that. Are you not smelling the whiskey? Because I am. I'm not. I'm going to. Give this thing a I, see, I was telling what I, what I first thought was Band-Aid, but then I looked at it and I said whiskey, and I was like, oh, yeah, it matches whiskey more. Okay. It's it's one of those things that you can confuse, but, I mean, if you were presented with them side by side, you wouldn't confuse them, but I think that they're similar in some aspects. 
maybe maybe we should uh, switch and see if they smell different. Yes, they do. Yeah, mine smells like this is much more chocolatey and kind of deeper su- deeper sweetness to it. Really? I'm not even getting into that part yet. You want to blend or? Yeah, let's blend. Jeff is now pouring the beers. This beer has a lot of carbonation to it. Pouring back and forth will help release some of that. You can hear that. That's a lot of stuff going in. A lot of... Snap, crackle, and pop. This is your Rice Krispies going on. So, yeah, for some reason, my nose is not picking up very much on this one. So I just moved right on to the flavor. Flavor's there, right? The flavor starts out a bit... It's not... It's interesting. I'm trying to figure out how to put it. Still a lot of carbonation in there. Carbonation gives it this kind of creamier body. So it kind of reminds me kind of like a melted milkshake or something like that. Like with some cocoa flavors, like a chocolatey melted melted milkshake. And that's uh, my first impression. It's not very boozy for 11%. Uh, it's hiding it. I'm not getting much booziness on it. I'm having a hard time finding much whiskey barrel in the flavor. All I taste is whiskey. Really? I am just I, I just taste like like I just had some not very great whiskey. Huh. I'm not getting that's like all I taste. Huh. <laughs> like you just had some Jack Daniels or something. That's it. I'm just getting like subtle hints that something's kind of sorta of related by marriage to whiskey and like that's it i i i don't know i'm i'm just, I'm just tasting it and, I'm, and we mix so we know mm-hmm. we're getting yeah yeah you know, the same we're ta- i mean we're just on we're tuning into completely different yeah. parts of this beer right now we're going to try to converge to some kind of agreement here but we're tasting completely different parts of the beer i was just laying on my tongue like Oh. <laughs> and Greg doesn't like when whiskey's overpowering. I especially don't like it when it's a, a cheap kind of whiskey flavor. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like tasting a different beer, even though we just poured it back and forth between our glasses. Some other things are starting to come through, but it's really dominated by that whiskiness. I guess there's a little bit of of Odie stuff coming on the outside, a little bit of kind of an oatmeal quality. I think I can taste some of the brown sugar. And I think that some of the whiskey is being kind of uh, added to by the bitterness of the hops. So the last sip I just took, I swished it around my mouth pretty vigorously. And as it was swallowing it on the edges of my tongue, the sides of my tongue, I tasted something very reminiscent of Jack Daniels, right? And I'm not a fan of Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. So, like like you said, not a favorable whiskey character. Right. So I got some of that. I was actually finally able to get there. 
I'm going to take another sip without being uh, drinking, you know, without swishing it around like crazy to see if it is still there or whether, you know, I had really had the work to bring that out. Mm-hmm. I think I'm done with this one. <laughs> okay. Why don't you read want to save of, my sobriety. Read one of those other news stories. What do we got here? Avery and Breckenridge expansion. Well, talking about, you know, the need for that tax credit, right? Exactly, right. So Avery and Breckenridge expanding to keep up with demand for craft beer. <laughs> Clearly. We need something. Uh, more than two decades more than two decades ago, Adam Avery was brew, brewing up a few batches of beer at home. Now the beer master leads a multi-million dollar craft beer enterprise. I'm just sort of <laughs> just reading everything I read just sort of strengthens my case. <laughs> yeah, so they're both moving. Um, Avery's staying. In Boulder, I think, and then Breckenridge is moving to Longmont. Yes, or Littleton. Littleton, that's it. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, just information about them growing. Longtime employee Todd Tebow, I wonder if he's related, <laughs> says they never expected the craft beer industry to take off the way it has. Yeah. I just, I just picked a random sentence. <laughs> that I hear no you. planning. I hear you. I like this other news story that I caught today, where 311. All mixed up. Don't know what to do. They are launching a beer, a branded beer, right? And everyone who's ever launched a beer like this, it's always been some. Not everyone. What Game of Thrones, right? Okay, I guess. I'm thinking of like Trooper beer, right? You think of the Iron Maiden beer and and Three Stooges beer, or or the. The Jimmy Jimmy Buffett beer, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, I mean, there's been some decent collabos. Yeah. So 311 is working with Cigar City and Nebraska Brewing. So I would be shocked if it's some lackluster marketing label, you know, and not good beer. So go go pull out that 311 album that you had is, you from know, 1998 and <laughs> 311 is still around I, I would expect them to, to put their you know to sponsor some sort of weed variant more than I would up here <laughs> well they just had the 311 cruise right the Doug Benson yeah, was Doug on Doug Benson loves that shit <laughs> and do you remember talking about Raging Bitch in Michigan like five years ago we're like the Michigan Control Liquor Control Committee, like banned Raging I, Bitch because it was detrimental to the. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Well, they finally just got their lawsuit settled, like five years or. Sounds about right for the legal system. <laughs> and so I believe they'll be able to sell Raging Bitch in Michigan now. Wow, good for Michigan. They they get Jolly Pumpkin. They get all the great beers there. I know Raging Bitch is good, but, you know, they've not had a lack of good beers in Michigan. Oh, I forgot to link it in here, but how about that story that I sent you about the uh, IPA, IPA, IPA? That was... The growth of IPAs. Yeah, IPA is by far the biggest style, but there are so many different IPAs now. I guess pure IPA is still probably the biggest style. It It was curious how... 
like declining in the IPA category are red IPAs and white IPAs. Um, and they said regular IPA had the most growth, double IPA had, was up there. And then it kind of slacked off. And Session IPAs was the third right. most growing. Uh, Black IPAs? Of, wasn't mentioned, I don't think, in the article. Huh. The article didn't really have the data. Right. The article just made several observations of the data and didn't tell me where I could find the data. But that was, that was where Amagang IPA was mentioned, right? That they're going to be brewing. Uh, was it in the article? I think so. Anyway, Amagang's going to be brewing an IPA, but they're not going to be brewing an IPA. Boulevard's going to be brewing it for them. Yeah, it's all Duval Morgat. Yeah. So, yeah, Omegang, there will be an Omegang IPA, but it'll be made in Kansas City. So what's this beer? This beer is a little beer. <laughs> Just a tiny one. Called Grey Monday. It's an Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels with hazelnuts. Hopefully Greg hates it so I get to drink the whole thing. It's only 18.5% alcohol by volume from the brewery, Orange County, California. This was a beer brought to us by Gary. Yes, I think this was a Gary beer. Thank you so much, Gary. As always, Gary is our benefactor. So this is Gary Monday is a special edition of their black Whoa! We're out of xyluses, so I used one of the not-so-good ones that we don't recommend, and it just shot out a bottle. popped up like a, like a champagne cork. It just went, bam! <laughs> All right, I'll cork this with a xylus. I think I have one in the other room. We'll get it okay. later. Uh, it's a, they say, a special limited edition of their Black Tuesday Imperial Stout, and they've added hazelnuts to the barrels while it ages. So it has it, it has a gray wax on it that Jeff actually you know he cut off and then he put it away because he usually I, plays with it all the time. I usually do this OCD thing and tear the wax in tiny little pieces while we're doing it. <sighs> yeah, I put the wax away. Now the interesting thing, uh, what I love about the the wax is that it smells a little bit like the beer. If I remember correctly, Gray Monday is like that. I don't think it has any smell. I think it's just plain old wax. It's so a little bit of we a have smell. had scented wax before, yeah. but huge. Okay, big syrupy blast on this. This is. I mean, <laughs> look at the look at the oils on the top yeah, of the beer. The, yeah, it, it doesn't have lace. I mean, it really doesn't have lace. It just it just leaks okay. like but, a like but an look, alcohol oil. Can you get the glare on mine to see the oils? Like it looks like an oil spill on the top of this beer. <laughs> Can you see that? Sort of. There, there's just like there's a sheen of oily from the hazelnuts on the yeah. top of this beer. So, eighteen percent. Let's see I if believe, I can get a photo 18. of that. 18.7% alcohol. Okay, here it is. Yeah, it ranges eighteen point two five to nineteen point five. I believe I read on this bottle that it was eighteen point seven. This is sorry, eighteen point five. Do we have a date on this one? I'm looking, but I don't. It says twenty fourteen release. I think okay. it's in the top top right. Yes, twenty fourteen edition. Yes. Thank you for taking that for me. Okay, so this is a beer that is. 
very, I mean, 18.5%, so very, you know, a huge amount of malt and sweetness. IBUs, 30, so they really are asserting that sweetness strongly. Uh Well, I mean, there's so much malt, you're going to get some bitterness from the roasty malts. Yeah. There's a booziness, right? So you're going to get a balancing character to the sweetness by the the alcoholicness of it. But still, like, I think worldwide stout is somewhere around 70 or 80 IBU. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So this is, you know, they're really not, they are not highlighting hops here. Speaking of Gary, our benefactor, did you see the package sitting beside you I that he sent us? I did see the package. I f- we forgot to mention it on the <laughs> pre-show, so maybe on the post-show we'll talk about it. It's a... Uh, so every Christmas they put out a beer named on the 12 days of Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. So there's... Uh, I guess the first one was probably a partridge in a pear tree. And then... I'm trying to blank now. What's two? Two... Turtle doves. Turtle doves. So... From two to seven is what's in that case there. <laughs> oh man, Gary's amazing. <laughs> lots of sort of lots of maple character here. Yeah, it's maple. It it's eighteen percent. So when you do smell it, you do get that booziness, but a malt booze. It does have kind of a whiskey. It's reminding me of a, of a, a bourbon type whiskey type of mm-hmm. on it where you get the malt and uh, kind of gets a little alcoholic on you. Well, it doesn't really smell like it's like beer from a bourbon barrel. It has kind of that bourbon smell to it. It's kind of different a little characteristic there. It definitely has hotness to it that you can detect very clearly. Uh, Hazelnuts are readily apparent the, flavor, oh, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's chock full. Those oils I can see floating on the top of this beer, that's all hazelnut oil right there, and it definitely adds flavor to this beer. That's a strong one. <laughs> Give you a little, like, mainline tap there? Basically, yeah. <laughs> just just, just <laughs> plug it into my veins. Yeah. Get it over with. Now that is a highly, <laughs> highly strong. This is a beer you can save for weeks, I'm sure, after you open it, and it'll still be just as, you know, just the same potency, mm-hmm. and I don't think it'll right. lose any flavor. It's got too much alcohol to spoil. It's also one that, I mean, just because of its very nature, you're not taking big sips. Mm-hmm. Like a big, deep brown sugar. Not quite yeah. molasses-y, though. It did, but a lot no, of, it's, a, it's a lot more like brown sugar. I mean, the hazelnuts, the brown sugar, yeah. gets boozy on you. It uh, definitely has a big sweetness to it. Some cocoa, coffee... Like that, like I got a little note of like something like Kahlua, yeah, in there, mm-hmm. but not as sweet as Kahlua. Not, you know, not terribly complicated in terms of of, of the flavor dynamics. It's it's. No, I wouldn't say yeah, yeah. It's not a complicated one, but it's rich, right? Yes. And you can enjoy the richness. You just kind of sit back, savor the richness, drink it slowly. 
Probably if you're a cigar guy, this would go really well with a cigar. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, I hate to, you know, I I can't recommend cigars with anything because I've never had a cigar, right? But you could you could see how some like smokiness or something could kind of really mix with this and be an interesting experience. Well, so that is the last beer of the night. <laughs> we're not doing fourteen; we're just doing seven tonight. <laughs> Lots of leftovers, though. So, all right, it's ranking time. Do you want to go first, or should I? Uh, I can go here. Just give me a second to get all these beers in my field of vision so I can sort them out. Well, I'll go. Okay. All right. So my last beer is the only beer that I kind of refused. Um, the Boulevard Imperial Stout. I just okay. it just tastes like a you know a subpar whiskey to me, and that flavor didn't go away. Um, it was it was not enjoyable for me, and mm-hmm. so I'm you know definitely going to rank it last. Uh, the one that comes right next to that is the Free Will, Blood and Guts. I just didn't... There was something about it that wasn't jiving. It, it wasn't uh, It wasn't connecting as well as it should have. So I've... Uh, you know, especially when compared to the other ones we were tasting. So, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, unfortunate. Okay. Gets a little harder now. Hmm. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with the Filthy Mustachio as my number five. I mean, it was it was not, I, you know, it wasn't throwing it out. I mean, like, oh, ew, gross, Dorian. It just was like, well, um, all right, mm-hmm. this is fine. But there's nothing, right. you know, there was nothing, you know, drawing me in. Right. Uh, my number four... Um, well, I'm going to go with this one, the Grey Monday. I like it a lot, but it's not an everyday beer. And like I said, there's nothing overtly complicated about this beer. It's just, it's, you know, it's a lot. And, um... Sometimes you can win awards just on being a lot. But in, in this show, with the stuff that I experienced in this show, I kind of felt like I wanted more than a lot. I wanted something deep and interesting. Or at least superbly drinkable. And this didn't qualify as either. But it was the, you know, the best of the other stuff and very, very good. But I really did think that the, the Angry Orchard was really nice and drinkable. I liked that a lot. It, was, it didn't taste too apple it didn't taste like the regular Angry Orchard, but it mm-hmm. had some nice distinctiveness. I was into it. Uh, you know, it's not something that I'm going to drink all the time, but as uh, as interesting you know, difference, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. So now it's between these two sours, and they both were excellent in different ways. And I think that just... 
really, it's my preference for the artistry of it, then I'm going to put the McKellar in, in first place. I, you know, I think that the the Almanac was the more drinkable of the two, and they both were absolutely fantastic. I loved them both. But I was supremely impressed by what McKellar did with a flavor that probably you wouldn't necessarily love, but turning it into something that was uh, the highlight of the session for me was was great. So right. there you go. All right. My my bottom of the stack is really, really tough to put together. I, I think it's pretty easy for me to put the... Eh, I wouldn't say easy, but the blood and guts I'm going to put in last place, the one from Free Will. I think it suffered some from flight order after being being third of those three, you know, the other two seriously sour, sour beers. I think I might have missed some of the nuance there, but, you know, from what I could tell I'm tasting, I'm going to have to put that down there. Uh, I'm going to put the Angry Orchard in sixth place. I, I didn't like it as much as some of the other Angry Orchards that they've sent us. Um, that, oh, that, El- that, uh, that Elderberry was Well, the Elderberry awesome. was good, but also they just sent us some of their crisp cider, you know, and I had one of those. I enjoyed that better than, than this one. This one was a little... It was sweeter than I wanted and not as hoppy as I was hoping. And, and that kind of is why it's down there. I think I'm going to put... It's still very hard to pick here. I think I'm going to put the Boulevard Imperial Stout in fifth place. Super heavily carbonated, and it really kind of took away some of the flavors. And then, yeah, I did get some of that Jack Daniels whiskey flavor. And to me, that's not a good thing like it is for Greg. I I don't appreciate the flavors you get off of Jack Daniels. Put Dondorio's Filthy Mustachio in fourth place. I enjoyed that beer. I, I It wasn't in the same complexity league as the rest of these beers, but I, I think it was quite drinkable and and had some... It was well done. I like how the cashews came through. I wanted more Dorian. Yeah, bring it. If you're going to put Dorian in the beer, bring it. Um, <laughs> and then the next two... Number one's easy for me, but the next two are hard. I think I'll keep this order. I'm going to put the Grey Monday in third place. Delicious. You know, I'm going to be sipping on this thing and and enjoying it until it's gone. But the sour beers are just more interesting, I think. Uh, But the Grey Monday, before I leave the Grey Monday, the hazelnut was really potent, came through. You got that big brown sugar. But then after that, it was kind of monotone right it didn't have the depth of complexity the other beers had i'm gonna put the mckellar spont and gooseberry in second place like i said before it, it i liked drinking it but it didn't have that drinkability or me wanting i was i loved exploring it but it's not something i wanted a bunch of where the almanac had some it was Intensely sour, but it had a, a, a progression of flavors going on. You could drink it and swallow it, and then spend send, spend the next thirty seconds or more 
still tasting it, still tasting it. So the progression of flavors, the depth of flavors that the Almanac had was was amazing, and that's got to be my number one beer. All right, well, that just leaves us to say, uh, hey, everybody, if you can, to the Bartman. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, Join us next time on Crappy Radio, where we're the whole new slew of beers will be tasted and tried. Crappy Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit CraftBeerRadio.com for more information. If you would like to contact us, you can email us beer at craftbeerradio.com. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. And we have at Craft Beer Radio. Thank you everyone for listening to the show. We appreciate it. And uh, remember, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon.